Today we'll be in Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 40, and the title of this message is Christmas is Over, Now What? And so let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it never, never turns back void. Thank you for always being there for us, Lord. Just ask that you would teach us, that you would do a great work, that you would um, just speak to us through, through, through your word, that none of us would leave this place, Lord, missing out on what you have for us. I thank you that that you see us and that you know us and you understand us and that you've given your, us your word for us to learn about you and learn about your love for us. Thank you that you love us, Jesus. We just praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter two, verse 21 through 40, and so uh, if you would like to stand, I'm gonna go ahead and read through the scriptures and then we will um, go over them after that. Luke chapter two, verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel." And Joshua and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed." Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for the ability and the privilege, Lord, to stand with um, your people, God, today, us, Lord. Just pray that uh, we would just uh, learn from you, Lord, as we continue to study this portion of Scripture. Just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Some of you may be wondering, you know, why are we standing? Why are we reading the Word together in such a fashion? It's out of honor for the Bible and for the Word of God. And, and um, when I do topical studies, it's impossible to read through all the different Scriptures, you know, that are with that. And, but when we go through a bulk section, I like to read it like that and then, and then go through it um, as the Lord allows us to. So, <clears throat> you know, the title of this message, Christmas is Over, Now What? I have to apologize or confess this, not apologize. This was a message I wrote in 2019. Gina and I were out of town from um, Wednesday until last night at about 11 o'clock, and so I was praying and putting together and sitting on a bed at Gina's dad's house and in the middle of, you know, just... Uh, family and stuff, and I was like, okay, Lord, you know, and I, I don't like taking messages that were written before, but um, I heard three times from different people, just polish up one you did years ago. <laughs> and so I was thinking about this, and, you know, this really kind of segues into, um, you know, what God, I believe, is, is, is preparing Metanoia Community Church, all of hers for, and in, in this sermon, I kind of tagged some words into here. Um, that I written out years ago in regards to a vision for this ministry. Um, uh, we are to know Jesus and we're to make him known. And, and, and that's what, you know, the church as a whole should be about. You know, we're to, to fall in love with Jesus because he loves us. And then out of that, the Holy Spirit prompts us, you know, to make him known to other people. And so we see here these 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 two people that are in the temple and they were in love with God and, they, and, and we see with Anna, she wanted to make him known. And so, but you know, after the hoopla of Christmas and all the hustle and bustle and we can have this deflated sense, but the reality is, is that Jesus' life, there's a testimony of God using his son Jesus, who is God, to radically transform and change the lives of many people um, in Bethlehem, Nazareth, Judea, you know, not Judea, but uh, in Israel, Jerusalem, all of that whole area. And, um, and so we're looking at the account, you know, Luke 21 through 40, um, and when we see in the first four verses, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, one thing that's fascinating is that God made our bodies to where in eight days your body naturally clots, and so a, a son can be circumcised without bleeding to death. And so that was instituted all the way in the Old Testament, you know, and so it's just a, an amazing thing that even in the midst of the small things like this, God's wisdom is always um, appropriate for us. And so, but it was, it was, it was a, a custom uh, for circumcision, if you were in a Jewish family, your son, you would be circumcised on the eighth day. And so, so Jesus was not separate from any of those things. He grew up, you know, he was born into a Jewish family, and he was Jewish. And so when the eight days were completed, circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, and so we know that the name Jesus was told to Mary beforehand. <clears throat> now, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, and so there was a purification process that, that uh, the, the mom would go through. Um, and so they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so we know that Jesus was eight days old at this time. And we see in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And so every firstborn son was set aside. Um, but uh, we see here that this all was done so that Jesus might fulfill every aspect of the law 
plus show that Joseph and Mary were truly devout, obedient parents. They obeyed God's commands. Uh, the commands for this process that they were going through would be in Leviticus chapter 12. And so Job, Jesus obeyed it also. Um, Leviticus 12, 1 through 4 says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As in the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. It's amazing that God and His wisdom gave His people a way to live so that they would be clean, so that their bodies would be healthy. Um, you know, if you think God doesn't have a mindset of helping your body be, be well, then, then you would have to throw the first portion of the Bible out. I mean, God's really about taking care of his people, and so I love that character about the Lord. We can trust him. It's like the song Tony sang about us being able to, to trust in the Lord. Bible commentator Alexander uh, White writes this, for he who knew no sin, we know that Jesus knew no sin, he was sinless, for he who knew no sin and who never was to know any sin at all was already in his circumcision made sin for us. He was not so much as eight days in this world till he began to be numbered with the transgressors. So Jesus went through the process of whatever any human being would go through that would have been a firstborn son. Mary's firstborn son was a lamb without blemish and without spot. But before he was a week old, he began to bear the sins of many. And as he began in the temple that day, so he continued every day to lead a life of pain and shame and bloodshedding for us, for our children, till he finished on the cross the sin-atoning work his father had given him to do. And ever after, that first day of his wounding of our transgressions, that holy thing bore in his body the marks of our redemption. In other words, what he's saying is that Jesus, from the day he was born, he, he bore our sins. His destiny was to go to the cross and to bear our sins, and he was just, he was numbered with the transgressors, he was numbered with sinners, he was alike us, he lived a life like we did, um, but without sin. We had talked about that for a couple of weeks, right, looking at who Jesus is, knowing that God is tangible, that he's, that he's available, that he's relatable to us as human beings. It's so important for us to understand that and for to us to, 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 to live in that reality in regards to our relationship with Jesus. We see in verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice uh, to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So the offering of two turtle doves or two young pigeons was considered a poor person's offering, actually. Um, Jesus was born into a common and a poor family. He wasn't born into riches and extravagance, even though he's the king of kings and lord of lords and 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 and. And, uh, you know, he existed before time existed. He could have spoken anything into existence. His father, God, could have done anything he wanted to make Jesus this, you know, shiny new thing. But he, he, he chose for his son to be born into a common family. And again, it's a depiction of the availability and, 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 and that Jesus is not, there's no barrier between us and him. It's us who put barriers between us and him. 
We see in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, being his King of kings, Lord of lords, that he owned all things, owns all things, yet for your sakes, in other words, for you and me, he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. In other words, Jesus gave everything up, became poor so that we would gain everything and that everything that we gain is heaven when we make him the Lord of our life. Philippians chapter two, verse six and seven says this, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he didn't hold on to the equality that he had with his father in heaven. He gave it away, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, in other words, a slave, and coming in the likeness of men. Jesus gave up everything. He's the example of how we're to live, a selfless life, thinking of others, doing things for others, you know, we're always selfish. It doesn't matter. It's like it's always in our face. We can't get rid of it. It, 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 it really kind of sucks, honestly, you know. I wish that I wasn't selfish. I wish that my mindset wasn't selfish, but God knew that we would inherently be that way, and so He gave us His Son as an example for us to live. You know, don't live by my example always, you know, Live by the Lord's example. And if I'm not walking out the way the Bible says that I should walk out, not, as, not even as a pastor, but as a Christian or a husband or a dad, the example that I need to live by is what Jesus lived by. And it's difficult, and it rubs us the wrong way, and it gets in our face, you know? And we don't always like that. But the outcome is great and amazing. And then in verse 25, you know, we see this man, Simeon, And we can learn so much from Simeon and Anna. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. And so so we know that that Simeon's life, was he was walking with God. That's what it means, just and devout. He was dedicated to the Lord. His life was dedicated to God. Everything in his life surrounded God, and God surrounded him. And it's not that he wasn't a sinner. We know that all of us are sinners. But this man walked with God, and he did everything he could to make sure that God was the center of his life. And we see here that he's just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. See, in this season, man, there was like, where's Jesus? That we know that he's coming. We know the Messiah's promised. You know, all the, I, I'm sure so many people had lost sight, had lost you know, um, the ability to think, oh, yeah, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, he ain't with us. You know, the Romans are controlling us, you know. We have this religious law from the Pharisees and Sadducees that are just burdening us, you know, criticism and all this stuff. And then we see this man, Simeon, resting upon the promises of God, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and what's fascinating, you know, if you uh, give a little context here, is that it's a beautiful thing that God can do whatever He wants with whoever He wants as they walk with Him. And, and like we know, if you've read the Bible much and you, in Acts, the Holy Spirit was poured upon those that were waiting upon the Lord after Jesus ascended into heaven. But we still know that the Holy Spirit is not bound by any certain timeline or any certain physical thing. He's the Spirit of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all one, have different person, 
uh, I want to say personalities, but it's not really the right term. And so this, we see that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, but the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out upon the church yet. And so it's really amazing that, you know, as we, the, the, the example here is really walking with God, being devout to Him, and the Holy Spirit will lead our life. And so Simeon was waiting for this promise of God. And we see here in verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that amazing? Could you, has the Holy Spirit ever given you a promise and you know that it's from him? You're not questioning it or anything. We have this promise here, the Bible. Everything this thing says actually is truth. It's not a lie. But it's amazing. We see that the Lord gave, the Holy Spirit gave this guy Simeon this, this vision. And what it tells us is that Simeon was waning. He wanted, he, wanted to, 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 he, he wanted to see the Lord before he died. In fact, it was like the most important thing of his life. He couldn't, I can imagine him not caring about riches or caring about social status or anything. It was the focus of his life. So it's important for us to pause for a moment and look at the example of Simeon. We read here that Simeon was just, which meant he was a godly man. He was devout, which meant he carefully observed the things of God. So much in our life, we're just like quick. I make fun of TikTok, right? I've heard people say, you know, oh, I get my Bible on TikTok. Well, that's not really sitting at the Lord's feet, sorry. That's more like, I don't know, Sour Patch Kids. It seems good for a moment, and it's quick, and it's gone, and then you're like, oh, well, I didn't get fulfilled by that. When we sit at the Lord's feet and we read the Bible, it's like sitting at the most expensive, exquisite dinner. You know, on prayer nights, a guy's been praying lately that the Bible would become a morsel to us, that we would be hungry for it, that it would feed us, that we would feed on the Word of God, because the Bible actually satisfies our soul. And so we learn from Simeon that he was devout, that he, he carefully observed the things of God, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was, the consolation of Israel is Jesus. The Greek word for consolation here is this, it's paraklesis, consolation or comfort, solace, uh, that, solace, that which uh, affords comfort or refreshment, thus the messianic salvation. So the rabbi is called the Messiah, the counselor, the comforter. Also, the Holy Spirit is called our comforter, Paracletos. Simeon was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Simeon was anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was communicating to him. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be walking with God so I can hear from him. And I can't hear from him properly if I'm so caught up in my own thinking, in my own criticism about people. I don't know about you guys, but between two days ago and this morning, it seems like um, my family and I, we had to just be confessing uh, frustration with each other for no apparent reason. I was telling Angelina this morning, it feels like everything's just pressured like this, like there's a blowtorch. And the enemy wants us to be at odds with each other. And if we're always wanting to be satisfied with ourselves, then we're not going to see the fact that Really, there's such beauty in forgiveness and love and grace because none of us are perfect. And we'll miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants in our life. And Simeon, he just wanted to see Jesus. He just, he, he was, can you imagine like 
Lord, I know your, your word says that your Messiah is coming. Man, you know, I, I just want to see him. We should have that same attitude. Lord, I know your word says this, but I, I just, will you please put this in me? Help me. We need to have a sense of desperation for God to work in our lives. And so we see that Simeon, the Holy Spirit told him, hey, you're, you're not going to miss out on what you are really seeking, and it's not seeking something selfishly for himself. And then God used him in the temple here. We see that verse 27 through 29, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. So he was, the Holy Spirit led him there that day. You know, it's such an example in our life. You know, if we're walking with the Lord and we're praying and we're, we're in step with the Holy Spirit, there's something about that. That you'd be in a grocery store or at work or, or getting gas or something and like, or, 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 or you'll, you'll, the Lord will just put on your heart to go somewhere, you know, and all of a sudden the Lord uses you and it's like being in step with the Holy Spirit, you never know. You think that our life is an adventure when we go, you know, snowboarding or, 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 or you know, a, a powered parachute like Tony has or whatever it might be, motorcycle riding or, or anything exciting in your life. But then the real excitement is when we're walking with the Lord and he just starts doing things in our life and starts guiding our life. And then we look back and we're like, wow, Lord, you really satisfied everything that I ever desired. And it's out of that love that he has for us. As we grow closer to Jesus, he starts including us in his plans in such a way and things start coming together that we could never have planned on our own. And so Simeon, the Holy Spirit, brings him to the temple. And, and we see in verse 27, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Simeon knew it was Jesus. I don't know how. We don't, we're not told how. Maybe, maybe I, I just, we just aren't, the word isn't specific, but Simeon knew that it was the Lord. See, Simeon was directed where and when to go to the temple by the Holy Spirit. It's important to understand that this is, was not some happened circumstance. Simeon had a relationship with God. He was dedicated to the things of God. His life was given over to God. He was giving room for the Holy Spirit to direct his life as the Holy Spirit saw fit. And then Simeon was able to hear the direction of him. And the question today is, are we able to hear today? Are we able to hear the Holy Spirit? Are we willing to, to go and to do and to be as the Holy Spirit directs us? Simeon not only saw Jesus with his own eyes, but he held him, embraced him, cradled him in his arms. Shouldn't this be how we connect with Jesus? Shouldn't we embrace Jesus? Shouldn't we hold him? Shouldn't, we be, shouldn't he be a part of our life and we a part of what he wants to do in our lives? When you embrace something, you grab a hold of it. Have any of you guys have ever given somebody a hug that you haven't seen for a long time and you're just like, oh, and you just, like when we went to Gina's parents' house this last couple of days, like I, we were embraced by our family. It wasn't just like, oh, hey, how you doing? A pat on the back. We need to embrace Jesus. How are you embracing Jesus today? How are you including him in your life? How am I including him in my life? Do I only compartmentalize him in the areas that I'm comfortable with him being in? Maybe sometimes. 
But in those times, I'm just telling the Lord that I'm better than He is. God's so gracious, send people my way to encourage me. We're to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and this happens through prayer, through spending time in the Word, through serving Him at work or in school, in the home or at church, dedicating our lives to ministry. Um, A lot of times we use the word ministry and we think of it in the confines of a church service, but really our life should be a ministry, ministering to others, blessing the Lord with how we act and what our actions and our attitude is. God's called all of us to do something for the Lord, Um, and it's when we just say, okay, God, here I am. What do you want to do with me? So when we take inventory of our household or of our relationships or of our attitude or actions or what goes on in our mind, sometimes we need to start in the place of, Lord, if there's anything unclean or sinful in me, please reveal it so that I can let it go. God's Word says that our, that, that our heart is desperately wicked beyond all recognition, who shall know its ways but God alone. In other words, my heart has the propensity to do anything it wants to do against God no matter what if it's given the right opportunity. We always have to be on guard of those things, and I'm so glad that the, the Lord is able to reveal things in my life that aren't pleasing to Him because He's the good shepherd and we're His sheep. And a good shepherd, when a sheep is going astray or in the wrong direction, he, 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 he lovingly moves it along, and he has a staff, and a staff isn't really a pretty thing. It actually uh, has some pain in it sometimes when it has to move. We have two dogs that are large, and they have shock collars on when we first got them, and some people are like, oh, shock collars. I'm like, hey, look, no. You want to make sure that you're able to guide these animals, you know, and, and, and so the same thing with a staff and a good shepherd would have a staff, just like with my dogs. We had to have these shot callers to train them so that they wouldn't, first of all, so they wouldn't hurt anybody, so that they would obey us and so that they would do what's good for them. And how the Lord is so loving to us as a good shepherd that He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what needs to be revealed in our life so that we could walk with the Lord in such a good way. So to encourage you, start asking Jesus, hey, is there anything in my life that isn't pleasing to you? I don't need to know. I just want to see people that are soft to the Lord so that they're willing to do what the Lord asks them to do. And I hope you would pray the same for me. Lord, pray that if there's anything in Brian that you'd reveal that, you know? And I need to be praying that because when I'm not in that fashion, then I'm telling God that I know what I want my pride is in the way, and I'm unteachable. And when I become unteachable, then I become unloving, unkind, selfish, throw all the uns in there, unwilling. And God loves me so much and loves my family so much and loves people around me so much that He wants me to be sensitive to what He wants to do in my life. And sometimes that means that I have to die to myself actually not sometimes, it's every day. God calls us to die to our flesh daily. 
our flesh being our sinful nature, our selfishness. This wasn't part of my sermon, but I'm going to go to this really quick. This just came to mind. I was reading this with a brother this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Simeon was an imitator of God. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God are a sweet and smelling aroma. Our life should be a sweet smelling aroma to God as we live a life of dying to ourselves, putting ourselves aside. You know, the majority of why relationships fail is selfishness. The word selfish doesn't exist in the word love. And I just feel led that we need to really recognize that Simeon was living this way for God and that he's an example for us. If Simeon wasn't living that way and he was living in pride, he would have missed out on this opportunity that God had given him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what the Lord has for me. I've lived my life the way I've wanted to for so many years, and I've said this from the pulpit, that I, I threw away 20 years of ministry, of serving God because of my selfishness. God's so cool that he, he loves us so much, but I was talking with somebody on the phone yesterday that called me, and I said, you know, God can heal all these things that you're sharing with me about, but there are consequences that we do pay for our mistakes. Sometimes they're not easy to live with. And we see, though, in Simeon's life that he was living for the Lord, that he wasn't living on the edge, that his life was dedicated. Simeon came into contact directly with the true and living God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And now we see Simeon, he, de he declared that he could depart in peace. When we come into contact with Jesus, we should embrace him, hold him close, give him the place he deserves in our life, and make him the center of our life. You know, I was studying and kind of reworking this message. It's like the Lord gives us peace. Without Jesus, we don't have peace. Verse 30 through 31, we see, For my eyes have seen your salvation, <clears throat> which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And so Simeon did not have peace because he had held a baby named Jesus or Joshua, the common name. It wasn't because he physically held a baby. Jesus, I praise the Lord, there are loud kids here, man. The heart of a ministry, a church, is children. I think that's why Jesus said, don't suffer the kids, the disciples, right? They were like, these kids have to get away from Jesus. He's busy in ministry. Jesus is like, no, man, they need to be with me. That's why we're so super focused on making sure the kids' ministry is, is vibrant and why we want the gospel brought into every school and every campus. Kids are important. If they don't know Jesus, then generations don't know Jesus. Back here to verse 30 and 31. And so Simeon did not have peace because he held a baby named Jesus. Jesus is God's salvation for you and I. Simeon had peace because he was holding in his arms and seeing with his own eyes the literal salvation of the world, the promised Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus was not hidden away in some special place. He was, not, he was out in the open. He was in the temple with all 
of the other folks, all of the other parents that day bringing their babies to be dedicated to the Lord. Even from the beginning of his life, Jesus took part in the common human standards of his Jewish parents. Sinners at the temple dedicating their children according to the custom of the law, giving their sin offering and their burnt offering. Jesus is available to all. He's not separate from you and me in regards to being distant, in other words. God did not distant His Son from us. And we see in verse 30 and 31 that literally what, what Simeon is saying is that my eyes have seen, and where it says your means God the Father, God, your salvation, I am seeing it. We need to see the salvation in our own lives. I am so grateful, I don't know about you, that Jesus loved me so much that he sent his son for my salvation. That word salvation means to be saved. You may not know it or not, but if you need to be saved, and you may be saying, saved from what? I, I, I got money in the bank, or I don't even have a bank, or I don't even have enough money to save. No, it's not talking about that. It's talking about your literal soul, the life that God gave you the day that you came out of your mother's womb and breathed your first breath. God had a plan to save you for eternity. See, our soul, we have this body and this mind, and we have a soul, and our soul is eternal. Our body fades away, and sometimes our mind does too, but our soul lives forever, and we will either live separated from God for eternity or with Him for eternity because we believe in the one and only Son, Jesus. And if that's you today, you need to choose Jesus because He is salvation. And I love in verse 31, the prepared before the face of all people. Jesus is literally before the face of all people. God's not hiding his son from people. He's proclaiming at the top of his lungs, you need my son, Jesus. I sent him for you because without him, you're destined to be unsaved from what God had already placed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell separation from God for eternity. From the day that Adam and Eve fell in the garden, the the, the, mankind was destined to be separated from God for eternity until they make Jesus the Lord of their life. The Proto-Evangelium is speaking of the gospel in Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, speaking about Christ's work on the cross and how it would deal a death blow to Satan. Jesus has conquered all things in our life that pertain to where we are to stand before God for eternity. He is our salvation. He is our help. He is our wonderful counselor. He is who we can run to. He is who we can cry out to. We can always go to him no matter what. I was Again, talking, somebody called me yesterday randomly, and I, I prayed with him, and, and, and he laid out all of these things he was dealing with. And, and, you know, in my own mind, I think, how can I fix this situation for this guy? But I know that if I pray and ask God to do a work for him, that the Lord answers prayer. And I called him this morning and said, hey, you know, you know and, 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 and he said, you know, I don't know what it was, but after last night, things were different. And see, this is the power of the Lord working, not me. And so God wants to work a miracle in your life. 
And it starts with salvation first because it's a miracle that God wants to save any of us in spite of us. So the Lord is at work. Jesus is real. And Simeon knew it. And he was waiting on God. And here he is. He's holding Jesus. And he's proclaiming, I have seen the salvation of the world that is available to everybody is really what we see in verse 30 and 31. And we see in verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And a a Gentile is a non-Jewish person. And so even before the ministry of, 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 of the Lord being shared with the Gentiles, we see that started in Acts. But even before that, the Lord had destined not only for Jesus to be only for the Jews, but to be for the Gentiles. In other words, the whole world. So Jesus is available to all of us. I am so thankful for that. So we see verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. In other words, Jesus is the glory of God's people. It's God's plan. It's God's revelation. It's amazing what Jesus is. We see in Isaiah 49, verse 6, indeed, he says it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus' birth, and so Simeon knew God's word. He was quoting it. It's amazing. You know, the sad thing, though, too, is that so many people in Jesus' time, they, they denied him. They, they missed the visitation. They, they missed the Messiah because of their pride and their religiosity and, and, and whatnot. <clears throat> we see in verse 33 through 35, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I love that, that that through the work of Jesus, the thoughts of our hearts, our intentions, the Bible is a mirror to who we are on the inside, and it should cause us to go throw our hands up and say, God, you know what, I can't do this, or, or you've revealed these things to me, and, and I just lay them down at your feet. You know, we need to have an active, living relationship with God through Jesus. We need to include Him in everything. Everything. Let the Lord direct your life. Let him be the centerpiece at your dining room table. Let him be the centerpiece of your conversations in your house. You know, I was I'm, I, 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 I get preparing for Matthew and I'm reading through the first section of Matthew and it talks about the lineage, the genealogy of Jesus and I get to... to um, to, uh, to, to, to um, Joseph's father, and, 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 I, and I said, you know who's, who, whose son it was? And my, my, my six-year-old son's like, yeah, that's, that's Joseph. <laughs> wow. And it, and it takes work to keep Jesus the center of your home because Satan hates you and me. He wants everything else to be the center of our house. And sometimes it just... Starts with talking to God, 
saying, Lord, you know what? I just need your help. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is all going to come together, but I just need your help. I don't know why I went down that road. Oh, the revealing of hearts. Amen. That thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, yeah. And so we see here in verse 33 through 35, many people would be divided because of Jesus Christ, and they are so today. Uh, this was spoken by, of, of Mary most likely for how Jesus' brutal, cruc- brutal crucifixion would affect Mary. Verse 34 and 35. It would pierce her heart just as if it were a sword. The love of a mother for her child is unmeasurable. And yes, Jesus is gone, but he was also Mary's human son. It is important that we do not lose the truth about Jesus the Christ. Yes, he is God. Yes, he is the salvation of our lives, the only salvation. But let us not lose the fact that he was fully man as well. He was 100% God and 100% human. This makes him approachable, just like I was talking the last few weeks and today. He is not some far-off God in some secret ritualistic place. He is God with us, Emmanuel. And we see in verse 36 and 37, now there was one, excuse me, now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And we see between Simeon and Anna a characteristic. We see that these two people were dedicated to God no matter what. We see in Anna's life that she was married for seven years and then her husband passed. And she wasn't out, you know, having a pity party. She wasn't, she dedicated her life to the Lord. She knew that God would take care of her. Also back then, widows, you know, had a special place. They, 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 they had a special place in society and, 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 the, and the church took care of them. The, the, the temple would be a place for them. But, but we see here, though, that, that she did not par- depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. In other words, she was not only mentally and spiritually dedicated, she was physically dedicated to serving God. She sought God regardless of her hunger for regular food. There's something about fasting. I don't know if you guys have ever done it before, but I encourage you, and, and, and I, I need to do it as well, but to, to fast, put some time aside to, to, to sacrifice a meal specifically for seeking God in prayer. If there's any decisions that are coming up in your life, it's a good habit to do that. But we see in Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Anna was living that out. Anna was always praying. She was always seeking God. She was always in his house. She was always at the Lord's feet. She was always living for God and not living for herself. Anna was not thinking, eh, maybe when I feel like going to the temple, eh, maybe I'll 
go there when I feel like it, or maybe I'll not go, eh, I don't know. She was not at the shopping plaza or at the social gathering place. She was not at the king's court, but at the king of kings' court. She was not excusing herself because of her age or the lack of youthful vitality. She was not bitter for the loss of her spouse. She was 100% dedicated to God and his purposes mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I'm not writing this negating the loss of a loved one. But there's something to be said when a person loses something so important and they continue serving the Lord wholeheartedly. It shows that their their future is in God's hands, their love is in God's hands, their life is in God's hands. The hardest thing for me is to look at my family and say, Lord, they're yours. They're yours. My own personal life with my heart thing, you know, after the procedure, I was talking with somebody this morning, I still have in the back of my head the fear of it happening again, and I have to remind myself that my life literally is God's, like literally, my life is in God's hands, literally. I will drop dead when God wants me to drop dead, and nothing is going to come in the way of that. That's a literal fact. So I tell myself that, and it takes my fear away. God, you're in control. If I can breathe, you're giving me breath. I'll breathe my last breath when you're done. And Anna had the same resolve. God, I'm going to sit. I'm going to be about your business regardless of my life. And we see that in these two people here. It's amazing, right? The next section of Jesus' life, right? His birth and the, the shepherds and all of that. And then we see God right away using an example of these two everyday people that were dedicated to God before the Messiah even came. So sometimes in our life, like, we may not sense God working or we may think He's far off, and there are seasons in our life where, where it's not hunky-dory, you know? It's not, we go through ebb and flow of life where it's been said that if you're on a mountaintop, you're either going down into the valley or you're on your way back, you know, if you're in the valley, you're on your way back up to the mountaintop. Life has ups and downs, but God is always constant. He's secure. Jesus' love for us does not change pertaining to our circumstances. And we see in these two people here the fact of that. Simeon's attitude was, Lord, I want to see you no matter what. I'm, I'm waiting for this. I'm petitioning. The Holy Spirit brought him to the temple. Anna was in the temple just because she loved the Lord and she just, her life was all about him. And you and, and, you and I, we're not going to be in this church building or whatever 24-7, but now that we have the Holy Spirit given to the opportunity to live inside of us, our body is the temple of the Lord. We all have a God-shaped hole inside of us, and either it is fulfilled with Jesus or it is not. And so what goes on in our mind and, and how we live our life, is it dedicated to the Lord, regardless of what's going on? Because my life is like this. My mind's like this. But God is constant. And it was dedicated to God and all that He was. She was dedicated to Him. And it did not want to miss anything at all that God was doing 
or what was going to happen in the temple. She was like, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss out on what God is so good. I don't want to miss out on what he has. And we see here in verse 38, and coming in that instant, in other words, the instant that Samuel and Joseph and Mary, I mean, not Samuel, Simeon and Joseph and Mary and Jesus and all of that happening, and it says, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. We are all looking for redemption. Whether you know it or not, you want to be saved. Whether you know it or not, God has destined you to have a relationship with him. And we see as Anna entered the temple, she instantly knew what was going on. She knew this was Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. Anna gave thanks to the Lord. She right away started thanking God. Sometimes we just need to thank, start thanking God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive. Thank you, Lord, that this didn't happen. Thank you, God, that you, that you allow me to, to eat or have food or whatever. Sometimes I walk to my house, you know, and I look and I'm like, wow, Lord, we have so much. And we, like, you get, you get, you're good to us. I mean, all I really deserve is, I mean, physically is clothes and food and a roof, but there's all these other things that are at my house. We need to have an attitude of thankfulness. But right away, Anna started thanking God. What an example that God's given us through her. She then witnessed what was going on with Jesus and Simeon and Mary and Joseph. She did not hesitate one bit. She started sharing with all those she knew who had been looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, which is Jesus. He's the redemption of our soul. See, Anna wanted to know Jesus and to make him known. We... Here at Metanoia, I really think this next season is to know Jesus and to make him known. And as we come into contact with the love of God and it impacts our lives, we begin to love God back with our lives. The question is, are we ready? Are we willing? When comparing your heart and attitude towards God, your age doesn't matter your bank account is not that important. Your education is minuscule. Your social status is not to be a factor. Your job status is no factor. The most important factor is this. Do everything you can to make time and effort to make Jesus the center of everything. Scripture that says it, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, seek God first. He'll take care of the rest. He's a good shepherd. He loves his people. In closing, verse 39 and 40, it says, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. So this, the process in the temple was done, and they went back to Nazareth. Verse 40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus grew up like a regular child, and people recognized that there was, he was filled with wisdom. God's grace was upon him. God's power was upon him. He was God. 
I want to close with this verse just as an encouragement to you guys. I love this portion of Scripture. It's so good, man. All Scripture's good. But, you know, there's certain ones that just hit home. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Mm. I'm going to read starting in verse 12. It's not in the slide. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 16. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, the Word of God understands us. It speaks to us. It reveals the secret things that we don't even understand ourselves. Verse 13, and there's no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. God sees everything. Also in verse 12 where it says, Word of God, it's speaking of Jesus also. But in, there's no creature hidden from Him, from His sight, but all things are naked and open to His eyes, to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And then verse 14 through 16 was kind of my ending piece here. Um, it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. In other words, let us hold secure to what we believe. For we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, we have a high priest who is Jesus who sympathizes with us as human beings because He walked as a human being. He understands us. It says here, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus is available. He understands you and I. And because of this, because of the way He understands us, we see this. And, 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 and we can correlate this to, you know, uh, you know, do you have a friend that you talk to much? Some of us do. Um, if you ever, you know, have somebody in your life that you relate to and you talk to and you're, they're easy to talk to and, and, and you don't feel like you have to be a certain way or act a certain way or, you know, dress a certain way, you can just be yourself. You can just be who you are, you know. That's basically what Hebrews is saying here in verse 16 also. Because of verses 14 and 15, we're able to have verse 16. Because Jesus understands you and me, because He walked in this human flesh but yet was 100% God without sin, because He was a high priest but not a high priest that was separate from us in regards to humanity, that's why we get verse 16. And so, with that understanding, it should give us great freedom when we go to pray. Because it says here, because of those things, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. And it's not like, how many of you guys, um, okay, uh, who was, he? well, I can't use that as an example. Um, How many of you guys have ever been somewhere or seen an example of somebody where they're so excited that they just have this 
elated reaction that has no barriers whatsoever. They've thrown all, they've thrown all hesitation to the wind. When we go before the Lord, we can go with Him with confidence that He understands us. We don't, we don't pray and say, you know, Lord, I, 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 are you here? Are you, do you not understand? I mean, we could go with confidence that He understands us. We could go with boldness to this throne of grace, grace being not getting what we deserve, unmerited favor, grace. You think of a king, a throne room, usually you have to come, you know, you'd have to have somebody, a witness for you, and to go, like you and I, we're not going to go to the president, right? How many of you are just going to walk into the president's office? None of us, okay? And, and if you're going to go to the president's office, you have to have a liaison, set all of that up. You're going to get searched. You know, you can't even probably bring a, 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 finger, a fingernail file in with you. All of these processes and procedures just to go before the president. And the same thing here, it's like you think of a king and, you, and, and all of the process to, to go before a king and all of the, the, the happen circumstances to jump through all the hoops just to get to the throne and, or, 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 or whatever, just to get to a president or whatnot, and you're never going to get there. But in verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4, we have access and there's no happen circumstance and there's no hoops to jump through. We're to be bold because of the access that we've been given and this throne is a throne of grace and not of, you know, a heavy thumb upon us. And we see here in the last part of verse 16 that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we see the character of Simeon and Anna and that they believed God's word. They knew who he was. Their life, God was the center of their life because they knew who he was. And I just want to encourage you today that, man, go boldly before the throne of grace. Be about God's business. Let me encourage you this week. Ask the Lord, hey, Lord, is there something in my life that needs to change? He has a great plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He knows how to help us on the inside. He knows how to fix us. He knows how to teach us to be forgiving. He knows how to teach us to be loving. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He loves your family so much. He loves you guys so much. He loves us. His love is unmeasurable. And he sent his son to die for us, that we would be set free from the condemnation of sin, that we'd be set free from death, that we'd be able to have eternal life and live with him forever. And then we're given the opportunity to be able to pray and and seek the throne of grace with boldness and know that he hears us and he gives us in a time of need. I don't know about you, but I'm always in need. We can obtain mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. I don't know about you, but I need that. And, you know, when Jesus was dedicated, you know, the, 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 it was prime. It was prime that the, the Israelites, the Jewish people needed their Savior. They were oppressed. They, it was, God's timing is so perfect. And we see the example of Anna and Simeon. And I'm not, you know, standing up here speaking at you. I'm speaking with me. I need to be about the Lord's business. I need, 
him to always sift my heart and mind. I need to, you know, be walking with him. And, and, and I fail at that so much, it seems like sometimes. But I'm glad that I'm able to talk to him and, and let him know, hey, I'm sorry, God. Or if I've offended somebody, hey, I'm sorry, you know. It's not us living perfect lives. It's I think sometimes it's us actually allowing the Lord to bring forgiveness and grace to each other when we speak it to each other. And so, man, God loves you guys so much. He has such a plan for you. Um, if the worship team has another song, you can come up. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, we'll be up front to pray for you. Um, but, man, come tonight. It'd be great. Go take a nap and come back and see us. We'll come and hang out with the Lord until uh, the new year tonight between eight and nine. <laughs> God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void. Jesus, thank you so much for the example of Simeon and Anna. Lord, help us to be that way. Help us to be at your feet. Help us to have a mindset um, to want to be where you are. Lord, it's, it's difficult at times to, to, to stay like that, and we need your help. And we see in Simeon's life, Holy Spirit, that you were at work with him, and we see in Anna's that, that she was hanging out with you in the temple. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to, 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 to press into you and to, to cling to you and to embrace you, that we would know you, Jesus, that we would understand who you are and your love for us. And you might help us, God, and bless us to be able to make you known to other people. And... Uh, Father, if there's anybody here today that um, needs a touch from you or salvation, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just do that work, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.